Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about the difference between in-season and off-season training with our athletes and some of the things to look out for to make sure that we're not overloading our athletes. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Randall Show. We're up at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Massachusetts. Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, Mike Scaduto, Lenny Macrina here rocking your questions or rocking the answers to your questions. Head to MikeRandall.com and click on that podcast link and you can ask away as well. Lenny, who do we have for students on today's episode? We got some really good students, as wicked good as we say. We have Kara May Sheft, little known fact. She goes by her middle name, I think it's her middle name, which is May Sheft uh, from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. She is from New Jersey, so she is not a Southern girl. So <laughs> we're still confused why she's got all these names. And, uh, you know what she said to me too, Jersey. by the way? Jersey. She, she said it was a little weird that she has, it's weird that she, you know, she has two names. <laughs> And I'm like, well, we all have two names. This is your middle name, right? Now, if your first name was Caramay and then your middle name was like, May. I don't know. Still confused. Caramay, May. May. <laughs> I'm still confused nice. by this concept. Sorry. <coughs> we also have Nick Jacopello from Toro University in somewhere in New York, uh, which is one of 37,000 schools. Spain, New York. <laughs> Little known fact about New York State, it has 8 million PT schools, that, and he is one of them. So it's interesting that he comes to us from New York. <laughs> somewhere else, we had a, t- a tech school that was like, we, <laughs> we need another budget line. We need more revenue. What can we do? Oh, let's get PT. PT. So. Yes, awesome. Landscaping, lands, <laughs> landscaping college. Like, what college? else can we do? We can yeah. do more. So, Excellent. all right, who's starting this one, Nick? Are we gonna we gonna ride the bull? Ride the bull. Woo! <laughs> Orange up. Are we gonna do that? Toro. Let's ride the bull, Toro. Nick. All right, Caitlin from PA. I'm an athletic trainer for a collegiate baseball team and have noticed more injuries related to the weight room than baseball lately, especially when their off-season and in-season programs are identical. What recommendations can you give for how to approach this problem? Awesome. So really good question. I mean, baseball specific for her, but I think this is a good general question at all. What, how do we differ between in-season and off-season training with athletes? Because I think this is a really important question, right? And it sounds like, what was her name again? Caitlin. Caitlin. Sounds like Caitlin is experiencing a situation at her college where the in-season and off-season programs are almost identical. So, which sounds like not a lot of periodization, right? Which we can, you know, kind of talk about. But I don't know, Dave. You want to start this one off, and sure. then, you know, Mike, you got a smaller golf off season. I'd love yeah. to kind of hear your thoughts. But like, yeah. Dave, why don't you start it off a little bit about the difference between in season and off season and training, and like some of the important key factors of yeah. that? Yeah. So I think two big things come to mind. One, like you already touched upon, is the periodization, right? So in the off season, we're typically or whatever off season you have, you're typically trying to first recover, take a couple of weeks to kind of recover from your season. But then it's really your only biggest block 
to gain strength and to try to increase like the base level foundation of athleticism, right? So you're trying to maybe pull somebody away from being such a specialist in baseball or golf or gymnastics and, and be just a general athlete again. So I think that's probably going to be a little bit more just grunt work. It's going to be a little bit more basic exercises that are general to all athletes. So I think that's very important to think about is we're trying to just kind of uh, even things out again for the entire summer and get a little stronger. But then as you move more in season, you're starting to funnel towards the athletic quality that's most important for your sport, whether that's repeat sprintability in soccer, whether that's body weight power, whether that's rotational power in golf or baseball. You're trying to think about what the end goal is to get somebody into their competitive season. So I guess with periodization is, is a lot of you know, undulation versus linear, but your goals typically are based on the sport you're trying to build towards. Right. And I would say... In the calendar of that. Exactly, right. Yeah, it's, it's different for every athlete, especially within the sport. There's different seasons uh, itself. But I would say that's number one is that the goal of the end program is probably slightly different. And I think the biggest thing, especially back to your comment on injuries, is you're trying to make sure that the uh, exercises are the best fit for the athlete based on in-season versus out-of-season. So if you're out-of-season, you know, maybe doing goblet squats is a better option if someone has stiffer hips, like a baseball player, versus when you're in-season, maybe that's single-leg lateral work because you're trying to get towards baseball or towards golf. In gymnastics, for an example, we do a lot of kettlebell deadlifting or trap bar deadlifting maybe in the uh, off-season for the athletes, but we're trying to get back to explosive bodyweight jumps with dumbbells in-season. Both similar movement patterns, very different exercise selections based on the goal and based on the anatomy. So, All right, let me jump in. Yep. Let me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your um, translator. I like it. <laughs> so, uh, so first big point I think I got from your answer, which I really liked, was um, it, it almost seems like if you're, if you're going month to month, or you're not putting like a good thought process as to like an entire calendar year, because I think everything's based off a calendar year, where you have to almost map out the whole calendar mm -hmm. as to what is your in-season, off-season, what is your transitional phases in between. Mm -hmm. You almost have to start with that like macroscopic of a view to look at the whole the whole you know uh, year right and it kind of go in a year i think most of our sports go in a year so i don't see what you know why other than you know i guess i guess olympics. you could argue the olympics you can Quad. it's almost you have like a super macro yeah. where you have a four as well as the four worlds usually don't. i was gonna say they have yeah, stuff, stuff in between yeah. in between so so that was number one and then the other big point i think so you know in terms of like how, going back to one, how do you do different between them? Well, you have to understand where they are in the season. You have to understand what's coming up. You have to be able to prepare. The second thing I think, and this is what we talk about all the time, is 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 understanding the demands of your sport so that way you can build a program that complements and doesn't kind of beat them down a little bit. So your big thing that you said, although you did say you were getting injuries, Caitlin, but the big thing you said was that in-season and off-season uh, seem the same to you. That doesn't necessarily mean that the in-season's too much. It could equally mean that their off-season's too little, mm. right? So you can't immediately say one of those is bad. You have to just say, like, what's their, uh, you know, competing stresses or something. But anyone yeah, else want to jump in? I yeah. think that's a great yeah. point is managing the competing stresses of the sport and the training program. So one, uh, one thing that we kind of work on with our athletes here is, is their volume uh, in the gym has to reflect what they're doing on the field. So if they have a really big week... Uh, like playing their sport, if they have like a four rounds of golf in a big tournament, like we're probably going to drop their volume on certain things in the in the weight room to um, to kind of manage that stress over time, and, and that'll be planned out over the course of a year, like when we're going to adjust their volume. But we don't want to overload them with a rotational med ball throw, and then they go out and they play four rounds in a day. Like it's just it's just managing those stresses um, on a how, how do we know short term level as a devil's advocate how do we know what the like i know um tim gavitt 
has that formula to do yep. chronic workload and all that yep. stuff. But as a yeah. regular PT or an ATC at a school, like how do we, are we just saying because they do a trap rod deadlift in the off season that they should do a kettlebell deadlift in season as a lighter weight, more movement pattern based? Or how do we know if the stress is too yeah. much? Or I, do we just, I don't know if a percentage to, I, of... I don't know if we need to know exactly, but I think yeah. the goal in, in an in-season program kind of shifts <clears throat> from building maximum strength to maintaining what they kind of had in, in the off season. Um, so it's not necessarily like we're chasing getting a ton stronger when mm-hmm. they're trying to compete at their sport, but we do want to maintain as much as we can. So if they're doing stop at three to six reps in a set, they're now doing eight to ten reps in a set? Is that a simple uh, concept? Yeah. It's yeah. less volume. Yeah, yeah you right. get less frequency. Or maybe you do it like once a week, for example, okay. right? Like that's, right. you know, not to get too off topic. I'll let you jump in on that. So you about the, you know, the that concept but keep it, I, it probably depends where they finish their their off-season training and right. and their training age and how experienced they are in the gym and, and so there's probably a couple different factors as to like where they go when they start the season and to your it's point i will on. say that tim and his course did talk a lot about how they have the athletes rate and do track tracking for each section of their training day mm-hmm. so like their skill practice in the morning their weight room stuff their cardio stuff and another skill practice they weight those things independently so typically you're trying to fluctuate the fader dials in season is more heavier in the skill stuff less in the weight room but again you have to have an accurate measurement system of wellness and external workload to say like 3,000 units here let's pull this down let's, let's pick up the sport so you can do it it's just it's challenging yeah right so Dan tell me a little bit about like volume sets reps frequency I think you know you were starting to hit upon that and I think that's a little that's a good you know topic to cover like how's how's that different in season for you yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, generally the goal with strength conditioning is to get stronger. Usually, trying to build something for a sport and also prevent injuries, right? So part of it is that if you have so much volume in your in season that's starting to cause injuries, it's kind of like directly against what you're supposed to do, right? When you're hurt, you're not performing well either. So I think a big part is that something has to change, something has to go down, but we still want to maintain those qualities as much as possible. So kind of what Lenny was saying is like, what do we go from sets of three to sets of eight? Uh, in my mind, we still want to get and maintain that strength, right? So we don't necessarily need to go to sets of eight because now we're just changing the training stimulus too much at that point. If anything, right. in-season should be pretty rote, should be pretty much the same stuff, but maybe at a lower intensity, excuse me, not necessarily intensity, same intensity, but less volume right. or less frequency, which is also a change in volume as well sure so maybe they're training less days throughout the course of the week maybe that's less sets maybe it's less intensity while you're in the gym not pushing quite as hard um, but I don't think that you need to change too much from kind of your late off season into um, your in season but the volume should definitely change so that's more of a maintenance dose kind of like Mike was saying um, the one I, I do think I want to I want to touch on that I do think you're assuming a really well-designed off-season program there. Because what he said, it shouldn't change from your late off-season plan, which means your late off-season plan changed from your mid-off-season plan. So something to also keep in mind, I think it goes back to that big calendar thing at the beginning. So you're right, you have to start periodizing even your off-season to get them ready for the season. But sorry, keep going. Yeah, no problem. I was about to change the subject anyway. So I love it, change it. <laughs> um, I think one of the big things I see a lot is communication. And I think there's a lot of times a, a poor communication between the coaches, the strength coaches, and athletic trainers. A lot of times you have kind of a big ego in the room and people are not talking. So one person's like, ah, the reason why you're getting hurt is the strength coaches. And the coaches are like, okay, the reason why you're getting hurt is the athletic trainers. Like trainers are also mad too. And no one's really talking and getting on the same page. So I just hearing your question, it sounds like maybe you know a little bit about periodization, right? And we just talked a lot about that. 
But the other piece is you need to make sure that you're building good rapport with one another and you really respect each other so you can actually make those changes as they're happening. Um, so maybe the strength coach actually is thinking towards that and you're not even realizing it. Right. And maybe it just seems like they're not changing things up much and then you know people are getting hurt, you're seeing the injuries, like, oh, it's gotta be the strength conditioning side of things. So I would say make sure you're communicating well. Let's see if there's actually a plan in place. And if there's no plan in place, obviously you have to keep communicating, changing things over the course of time, try something new, and just keep on working, I guess. I love it. That was a good, good, solid, you know, like just just recommendation on how to make sure you put that all together. Because I do think that happens a lot. I do think, the, like, the athletic trainers, you know, and the situations I've been in, some of the athletic trainers don't always understand what's happening in the weight room simultaneously. And that's, I'll put that back on you. It's not the strength coach's job to teach you what they're doing. It's your job to learn what they're doing, right? Now, you may have an amazing strength coach that helps with that, but I, I'm going to put that back on you. And then last thing I'd add, and just I guess we can sum it up with this or, or, or end it with this concept here, is like Mike talked a little bit about competing stress and Dave and Dan and like everybody had some like good comments on that. Just keep in mind that it's not always like as obvious as you think, right? So Mike brought up we're gonna decrease our rotational med ball volume in season with a golfer or any rotational sport person because they're doing a ton of that in their skill work. Um, I will say sometimes there's other competing stress that you just have to keep in mind as well. So I'll use baseball as an example for us, but someone going through like a late rehab phase and like a throwing program from let's say Tommy John or even mid-season of an in-season sequence, sometimes what we do is we see that there's a lot of grip overload. Right, so this may not necessarily seem like it's a competing stress, but for us, if you're trying to PR your deadlift on the trap bar and you're like really doing a ton of grip work, if you're doing stuff like bottom up kettlebell work or something that's like super heavy grip, grip related, and you're also trying to increase your throwing volume and your forearm muscles on that, that's one of those like good tricky examples how it doesn't really kind of fit, right? We see this all the time, right? Like somebody in my inner circle just asked me this question. It was like, you know, I, all my athletes in season are having raging patellar tendinopathy. Like what's going on, right? And then you got to take a step back and you say, all right, if you're in a field sport and they're running all the time or a court-based sport and they're, they're running all the time, I mean, maybe we need a little less single leg work. Maybe we need a little bit less. We have to like really just pay attention to those competing stresses. So I think that's like the, the good general thought, but I think, you know, good, good overall discussion. So it was awesome. So good question. Thank you, Kayla. And thank you for another great episode. Head to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link, and you can continue to ask us great questions like that. And be sure to head to iTunes and Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep doing these, uh, these, these fun episodes where we have good discussions like this. This is a good one. So thanks. See you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.